This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. There is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to adjust the frequency. We are controlling transmission. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limit frequency. Good evening, my name's Ricardo. My name is Sam. And this is the Outer Limit Frequency. Welcome back to the Outer Limit Frequency, as we reach the third stop of our B-side tour, in which we take a closer look at some of the lesser-known works of incredibly famous musicians. And there are a few musicians as famous, influential, and iconic as tonight's subject. David Robert Jones started making music in 1962 at age 15, but sharing a name with a member of the Monkees turned out to be quite an impediment to be taken seriously. This changed in 1967 as Jones rechristened himself David Bowie. After the American pioneer, James Bowie, and indeed his namesake, Knife, and the rest is history. Well, documented history. So, as has become customary around here, bring on the hidden gems. We've mentioned before how so many artists rely on the old two after their self-titled album to let us know it's their second album. But not David Bowie. No, instead, both his first and second albums are simply called David Bowie. The second of these went on to be known by a different unofficial name, though, Space Oddity, taken from, obviously, the lead and only single from the album. The album is also not at all the sort of music that Bowie would become known for, featuring a more psychedelic style than pretty much anything else he did during the decade that would follow. As a result, this is also an underappreciated album, even with that lead single being one of his best. However, as this is a B-side tour, we're going with Janine, a song about the girlfriend of his childhood friend. Okay, Bowie, you do you. Every day 
early 1970s saw some very important aspects come to fruition in Bowie's evolution from psychedelic folky to rocking pinup. To this end, the man who sold the world from 1970 introduced a new backing band that would help to better orchestrate his evolving vision. This new lineup included Mick Woodsmany on drums, former T-Rex bass player Tony Visconti, and guitarist Mick Ronson, whose sound would go on to define the upcoming Spiders from Mars era. Now, obviously, this album is most famous for the title track, thanks in no small part to that Seattle band, but it's far from a one-song album. Ronson's involvement with the band helped to bring a stronger rock element and a tinge of the blues to the fore. Here they are presented in a less polished manner than how they would in Bowie's upcoming glam rock pinnacle, but the slightly rougher edge is an important step in that process. And to that end, this is Running Gun Blues.
days, 1973's Pinups was the epitome of the contractual obligation album genre, and to make matters worse, it was a covers album. That's a lack of effort double whammy you got there. Curiously, the album's only real hit was easily one of the lowest profile covers of a lot, Sorrow, originally by the Mercies. Good song, but compared to the promise of covers of Pink Floyd, the Yardbirds and the Kinks, well, you know. But Sorrow's a really good track all the same, and it becomes clear that Bowie quite enjoyed The Who, as they get two of their songs represented here. But in typical Bowie fashion, the pinups rendition of I Can't Explain was rather different from the youthful exuberance of the original. Bowie's 11th album, Low, was always a bit of a weird one in that it didn't really fit with what he was doing at the time. Released in 1977, right in between Station to Station and Heroes, it wasn't really like either of these, instead experimenting with ambient music and electronic music in a way that probably only made sense to the man himself at the time. The three singles, Sound and Vision, Be My Wife and Breaking Glass, were each backed up by songs from the second half of the album, which was pretty much just all instrumental. Basically, side two was side B. Weeping Wall didn't technically serve as a B-side, being the only one of the four tracks from side two that didn't, but I like it. It's proper Bowie weird.
Tonight, the 16th album by Bowie is probably one of my favorites. To me, this is where he began to completely depart from his 70s style that made him big. Long Gone was the Aladdin Sane and Ziggy Stardust. Instead, we got David Bowie just being David Bowie. And after Let's Dance was all about being annoying and wanting people to, well, to dance, tonight was more blue-eyed soul, more, I don't know, classy. Blue Jean and Tonight were the lead singles, followed by Loving the Alien, which still stands as easily one of the best songs ever recorded by Bowie. But we're going with one of the covers from the album, God Only Knows, originally by the Beach Boys. If you should ever leave me My life would still go on Believe me The world could show nothing to me So what good would living do me? God only knows What I'd do without you As long as there are stars above you, you'll never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure. God only knows what I'd do without you. Okay, it's time that we admit that when people think of David Bowie, they often don't consider him in the 80s, because it turns out that a lot of his work from that era was actually a little forgettable. So into this discussion, I would like to introduce the extremely forgettable Never Let Me Down from 1987. 
Bowie himself had such apathy or even open displeasure towards some of the material from this album, and that pretty much speaks for itself. Never Let Me Down is just one of those albums that was destined to fall through the cracks when measured against the achievements of an industry giant. There's no shame in that, because ultimately they can't all be zingers. 87 and Cry was the B-side to the album's third single of one of Bowie's least impressive albums, and it's actually the pick of the bunch.
you can't really call much of anything by david bowie immature but the release of black tie white noise kind of made it seem like a lot of what he had done before was all just kids stuff the maturing artist was showing his evolved personality in his music like no one else had done and black tie white noise was showing that maybe they weren't just errors of bowie as he was constantly changing and growing up maybe it was just that more of a gradual evolution with the occasional dips into stupid of course but we're not talking about ours the singles here were the title track jump they say and miracle goodnight none of which were ever huge but still pretty solid the standout track here was actually another cover though i feel free originally by cream
1995's Outside was Bowie's most ambitious album yet, which really is saying something at this point. He needed a clean break from the past few records and decided the best way to do this would be by incorporating his growing interest in industrial music and letting his proclivity for intricate sweeping narratives properly manifest. This album reunited Bowie with producer Brian Eno, with whom he had worked on the famous Berlin trilogy, and stands as the spiritual successor to the inspired by but legally distinct from Orwell's 1984 record, Diamond Dogs. According to Eno, he had reconnected with Bowie months before his passing, and the idea of finally creating a second part of the story came up in conversation. Obviously, none of this came to pass, but with a notion as bold and as daring as Outside, we might well have missed out on something special. As with every other song on Outside, Through These Architects' Eyes is told from the perspective of a character within the story world, but it's not hard to hear this in Bowie's voice as the overall creator.
This is the pick I had trouble with because it was either look at the album Heathen or the next day or go further off the beaten path and take a quick look at the underrated side project Tin Machine. Tin Machine will get their time though, so instead we're talking about Heathen because at this point it was probably the man at his darkest. The entire album is about the degradation of mankind with critics deciding that it must be about 9-11 which Bowie shot down and admitted that it was possibly just due to the anxiety and unease caused by these sort of things. He also did not enjoy the experience of writing and recording this album at all, with it apparently leading him into tears while writing. Doesn't sound fun, but the album's good. This is Afraid.
much like its immediate predecessors, reality is usually considered non-essential listening, and that's a notion I'd like to try and dispel. Aside from the lead single, New Killer Star, this one is frequently overlooked, but I at least think of it very fondly as it was the first David Bowie album I ever owned. In terms of introspective ballads and satirical rockers, this album has you covered. See The Loneliest Guy and Pablo Picasso, respectively. But what I want to draw attention to specifically is the album's stark, self-aware closing song, Bring Me the Disco King. This level of meta-self-awareness wouldn't be realised quite this completely again until David Bowie's coming final bow. I don't know 
about you I don't know about you Dead or alive Bring me the disco king 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 With those who slept like corpses Damp morning rays in the stiff bat club Killing time in the seventies Smelling of love through the moist wind Don't let me know when you're opening the door Close me in the dark, let me disappear Soon there'll be nothing left of me Nothing left to release Dance, dance, dance through the fire
the main reason I say Tonight was one of my favorite albums is because it's definitely not my absolute number one. That instead goes to the 25th and final album by David Bowie, Black Star, which was released on the 8th of January 2016, only two days before his death. It's hard to say what is so great about this album, and it's also hard to say that I would still love it as much as I do if it weren't for the circumstances around its release, because I just don't know. No one does. That's not the world we live in. Instead, what I do know is that this is the perfect swan song from one of music's most enduring stars. It's somehow both bleak and hopeful, which makes sense given that Bowie knew it would be his final release, his parting gift to all of us. And while I adore the singles from this album, tonight we're treating you to probably his best titled song, Tis a Pity She Was a Whore.
the last album we'll be discussing on this episode is also the one with the strangest gestation period yet. Considering at the time this episode was recorded, the album in question is 20 years old, yet still hasn't been formally released. Well, not quite. Toy was originally recorded in 2001 as an attempt to breathe new life into some of Bowie's earliest songs, but, you know, one reason or another, never saw the light of day. The good news is that Toy is finally slated for release in November 2021, and it could well join the very select club of good, posthumously released albums. And the track that's been used to whet our appetites is called You've Got a Habit of Leaving, which dates back to 1965, where it was originally released by a fresh-faced David Jones and the Lower Third, his band at the time. While I have little doubt that Bowie's estate has a vault full of further posthumous material, armed and ready to go at strategic intervals, I say with some hope and confidence that Toy should be seen as the legend's final proper album. So please, savour it once it arrives. And this is You've Got a Habit of Leaving.
Thank you for joining us on part three of our B-Sides tour. We're definitely going to keep doing this, so yeah, just keep coming back. Because, I mean, you were going to anyway. And if you liked what you heard, jump onto Spotify and check out some of our old episodes, including parts one and two of our B-Sides tour. And since we're coming back next week, we'll be catching up with our old friend, the metal genre, as it gets a little too big for its boots and starts leeching into other areas of music. It's time for some hybrid metal, y'all. We'll see you then. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.